Good morning. When I was a boy, my dad would take my two brothers and me on fishing trips. And I swear the boat he took us on, he found on the side of the road somewhere. (laughs) He put the smallest outboard motor you have ever seen on that boat. But to us, it was fishing. So whenever we would go on a fishing trip, dad would get us, his real fishing rod, our fake three-foot ones, right, his tackle box and lunch for 400 guys, and off we would go. And as we sat in the boat, my dad, my older brother Jamie, and my twin brother Evan would just pull in fish after fish after fish while I just sat there, rod in the water, waiting And I would wait all day for just something to nibble on my bait, just anything to take hold. And inevitably, we would come home and we would talk about the size of my brother's Evan's fish. And we swore it was this big. And we would talk about how someone had almost fallen out of the boat. And every time, we would always talk about how I never could catch a fish to save my life. In fact, the first fish I ever caught was when I was 14 years old in a stocked pond with a piece of cheese for bait, all right? (laughs) I knew after enough trips that fishing wasn't the point. The point of the trip was to spend time with my dad. The point of the trip was to spend time with my brothers. Today is Student Ministry Sunday. And I'm so glad that you've gotten a chance to see so many students and volunteers in our student ministry just surrounding us here at Wayside Chapel this morning. But this morning is also so much more than student ministry. I want us to turn to a story in Luke chapter 5 that on first glance might seem like it's all about fish. But in reality... It's so much more. Luke chapter 5, starting with me in verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gisinaret, the people were crowding in around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now because of Jesus' miracles, such as casting out demons and healing the sick, many people had come to hear him speak. They were surprised at the authority with which he taught. But... Like many students that I know, they had no concept of personal space, all right? So they just keep crowding Jesus and crowding Jesus and crowding him, pushing him to the very edge of the water. And so looking over, he sees fishermen cleaning their nets and asks if he can borrow their boat and hops in to the boat of Simon Peter. Simon's a fisherman. He's just a regular guy who may already have heard Jesus preach and may have already seen Jesus' miracles firsthand. Jesus asks if he can borrow the boat. Simon willingly agrees, and they put out a little bit from shore. 
Then it says that Jesus sits down in the boat, a lesson that my brothers and I never could really understand, that you were supposed to stay seated in the boat. And he taught the people. Now, what I find frustrating about the Bible sometimes is that what it teaches and says isn't all the time what I want to hear. Like when it says, when Luke tells us that Jesus taught the crowds, he completely leaves out what Jesus taught. And my brain goes to, well, what was Jesus teaching that day? What was his message? If only iPhones were a thing, somebody could have recorded that message and uploaded it to YouTube for us and we'd have an account. But what Jesus taught on that day isn't where this story goes. He says to Simon in verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answers, Master, we worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. Simon, I feel your pain. All right. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now imagine this. Jesus has been teaching all morning. And Simon and his crew have been listening. And as soon as he wraps up, he just looks over to Simon and he says, Hey, we're in the water already. Let's go out a little further. And then if you put down your nets, we'll catch some fish. Maybe you can imagine the scenario better this way. Imagine with me that you are a mechanic and that you've been working on a car for a friend in your driveway. You've been working on that thing all weekend long. You've been tweaking and adjusting, replacing, refitting, and the thing will just not start. Well, now it's Sunday afternoon. You've graciously uh, let myself and about 60 middle schoolers come invade your space. And so we're eating pizza, we're having games, and we're having a good time. And after I wrap up the Bible study and remind the students for the fifth time, please call your parents, have them come to pick you up. I walk over to you who are still standing frustrated over your engine. And I just take a glance at it and I say, you know what? I think if you replace these spark plugs right here, this thing's just going to crank right on up. Now, you look at me like I'm crazy. First, because I'm a middle schooler who actually knows what spark plugs are. Second, because you're surprised that I know an engine and you're going, no, I'm the mechanic here. And besides, I've already replaced the spark plugs twice. And this little distributor cap thing, which I don't know what that is, but I've replaced that twice already and it's not going. The same scenario could go out in hundreds of different ways. Imagine a dentist telling a jet engine pilot, hey, this is how you could fly your jet a little better. Or perhaps a high school student who tells a nurse how to properly administer a blood draw, right? Jesus is not a fisherman. He's a rabbi who previously was a carpenter. And he's borrowed a boat from the professionals. Simon Peter could have easily said, you know what, Jesus, thanks for the emotional support, but we've already been fishing all night long. We just finished cleaning up our nets. We've been listening to your sermon. It was great, but it's lunchtime. It's time to head home. But that's not what Simon says. Simon tells Jesus, because you say so, 
I will do it. At your word. Simon puts his faith in the words of Christ. Look at me at verse 6. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Now imagine this. You've just thrown your net into the water and then fish come in and more fish and more fish. And you're just sitting there and it says that the nets are beginning to break because of the amount of fish that are swimming into your net. So you have to signal to your partners to come over quick. We have got a catch. And then they just start raking in the fish to the boats. Now, we are told that these boats could be somewhere between 20 to 30 feet long. These are not my dad's fishing boat, all right? These are professional vessels. Imagine 30 feet of fish, all right? These boats are overflowing so much so that they begin to sink. This, for fishermen, this is the catch of a lifetime. Now, in the midst of all this miracle, there is chaos. Because you may be like me, you may have only caught one fish in your life, but that one fish, you know, that, that thing is floppy when it gets out of the water, right? You've just got it on a pole. Imagine a boat full of fish, right? They are flopping in and out everywhere, into each other, into Simon, out of the water, maybe back into the boat. They are going all over the place. And yet what I love is the reaction of Simon Peter when this happens. Verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. It says that everyone was astonished. They were amazed at the catch of fish. But do you know what is amazing here? Is what Simon Peter says about himself. He says, I am a sinful man. When you think of Simon Peter, what do you imagine? What comes to mind? I try to think of a fisherman. His skin darkened by his long hours working in the sun, cleaning his nets and fishing. Maybe someone who, because he's pulled in so many catches of fish that his muscles are just, you know, not like mine. And maybe he smells like fish, right? But Simon Peter here, maybe when we see him, we think of a regular guy who works hard and listens to Jesus' sermons. But here he says, I'm a sinful man. Simon knows something that we don't. Maybe Simon Peter cusses like a sailor. I had to get that expression from somewhere, right? Maybe, maybe he's prideful or greedy. Maybe Simon Peter struggles with lust. Maybe the words that come out of his mouth aren't loving and encouraging, but instead they're full of gossip and rude. Maybe... He's been dishonest with his business dealings. Whatever the sin that causes his hearer to bow down before Jesus and recognize himself as a sinner, we need to recognize something as well. We are Simon Peter. Not that we're professional fishermen, but we are sinners. 
Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All, every single person, including the man standing up on this stage. Though I don't know your personal struggles, you do. And God does. But my question for you is, do you see yourself as clearly as Simon Peter does? You can imagine this scene. These fishermen have just made the catch of their lives. They hit the biggest payday they could have ever imagined. And yet, instead of Simon Peter coming in and saying, I'm just going to get more fish into my boat and more and more and more, he instead recognizes that he's not in the presence of just some rabbi who came to teach that morning. He's in the presence of someone who is very connected with God, who can make a miracle of such a proportion happen, perhaps even God in the flesh. Most of the time when when I think of Simon Peter, perhaps my mind goes to his later life as a follower of Jesus Christ when he denied him three times. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he denied that he even knew him. And we think about his failure in the middle of his ministry. We forget how right here he was so very right. He recognized that he was a man who was a sinner. He knew that he had no right to be in the same boat as God. His declaration of sin was much like Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet in the Old Testament. When he got a glimpse of God, the first words out of his mouth were, Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. Perhaps Peter here feels like he is a man of unclean lips. Perhaps Peter's declaration is just like Job's. Job, who thought himself righteous and good, and thought he had every right to complain when he came face to face with God. He said, I have heard of you, but now I see you, and I repent in dust and ashes. Simon knew his place. He knew that he didn't deserve to be in the same boat as Jesus. But this is a beautiful thing about our Lord It doesn't matter who we are. God sent Jesus because he loves us. He sent him for people like Peter. He sent him for people like me and like you. Jesus came to be God's greatest blessing to us. You know, this is one of the reasons I love student ministry so much. I love getting to watch students who at times are too aware of their limitations. And yet they serve anyway. It's a part of what today is all about. It gives us a chance to see how God can use students to serve his kingdom. You guys do know that the army we had up here leading us in worship are all from our middle school and high school ministries, right? They're all students. In fact, you've probably seen students all over Wayside this morning serving as ushers, taking up the offertory as greeters, But it even goes beyond that. Students serve on a weekly basis. They serve in our Kidmo room or in the nursery. In our middle school and high school ministries, they run lights, they run sound, they run projection. I'd like to point out that today in the projection booth is a sixth grader running the screens, right? We have got some amazing students who serve their church and serve their God well. 
but not just here at church. They go beyond the walls of Wayside. They serve their peers at school. They offer up their testimonies and Bible studies. They share with their neighbors and they share with their friends who they participate in sports with, their family, the people they see on a weekly basis. God uses students to further his kingdom all over San Antonio. A couple weeks ago, myself and some middle schoolers went to an apartment complex here in town and we just went knocking on doors, handing out bags of food and snacks. And we asked people how we could pray for them right there on the spot. And I got to watch 11, 12, and 13-year-olds pray for people to have jobs, that they would bless their households, that people would get over illness and sickness. It was so wonderful. I've seen students serve in food banks, handing out food to the hungry. I've seen them serve here at 55-plus luncheons, in Hebrews on Sunday morning, making you your frappuccino, in Wayside's Widow Ministry, so many more. And even beyond San Antonio. This summer, over 80 students and volunteers will go on mission trips to Denver, Colorado, to Mobile, Alabama, to Arizona, Arizona, and beyond. All through opportunities to serve God and further his kingdom. These students haven't even graduated high school yet. And yet they serve. Which begs the question, how will you serve? You're older than these students. I dare say wiser, more experienced, have more resources. How will you serve? They don't let their limitations stop them from serving. How will you further God's kingdom? How will you serve him? Jesus, as God in the flesh, could very well have said to Peter, Simon, you are right. You are a sinner. Out of the boat. But instead, instead, to the man kneeling at his feet, he says this. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Can you think about the fate of those fish that got caught? What awaited them as soon as they got to shore, right? They would be cleaned, gutted, and sold to the market in pieces. And that makes Jesus' statement here kind of weird, doesn't it? But I think Peter knew what Jesus was talking about. Instead of taking fish out of the water and taking them to their ultimate demise, they would begin a ministry together of saving people out of a world of sin and sorrow and saving them from their ultimate demise Eternity in a Christless hell. That's what Jesus came to do. He was the Son of God, come to live among the people of God. And as Simon reminded us, we are not perfect. We are sinners. So Jesus came to live a perfect life in our place. And ultimately, He died as our sacrifice. He died in our place on the cross. And as we celebrated just a few weeks ago in Easter, he rose again to show that he is indeed powerful over sin and that he is everything he said he is. Jesus did this for you. He did this for me. So that instead of losing our lives, we would gain everlasting life.
And perhaps this is where most people think the story ends. Jesus preaches in the boats. They catch a miraculous catch of fish. Simon declares himself a sinner. Jesus says, today we will fish for people. And then the story's done. But there's one more verse. And I don't want us to miss it. Verse 11. They pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything. And they followed him. Can we first observe that these men are leaving their business? Simon was a businessman. He had grown this fishing company from one guy, perhaps on the shore with a net, to a guy in a boat. And then a guy with a couple of boats and many associates. And on this day, he's leaving behind his business that has just experienced its most profitable day ever. And think about what he gets. Jesus is a rabbi. He wanders from town to town. If you read in the previous chapters of Luke, he just got booted out of his own hometown, the place he could call home. He sleeps in a house when someone offers it to him. He has no bank account, no 401k. Even his next meal is not guaranteed. What if following after Jesus meant leaving one job for another that had a pay that was less than desirable for you and your family? Suppose following after Christ meant giving more of your income away so that more ministry could take place. Suppose following after Jesus meant making sacrifices that were uncomfortable and ones you hadn't made before. Those are truths that we need to consider, but there's something even more profound here that I don't want us to miss. Jesus preached all day in the boat. They catch a miraculous catch of fish. They haul it in and it's so many fish that the boats are beginning to sink. And so they row to shore and they pull the boats up on land and they leave. The miraculous catch of fish is left behind in the boats on the shore as these men Follow the man who controls and made the fish in the first place. I said that they were about to begin following this homeless rabbi. His next meal is not guaranteed, but what is guaranteed for every follower of Christ? It's a life of intimate relationship with the creator of the universe. Jesus promised us that he would never leave us nor forsake us. That means through every storm, through every trial, through every difficult circumstances, even when life is wonderful, Jesus is with us all the time. These men abandon the miraculous blessing of God to follow God. Would we have faith as strong as Peter? So often our faith amounts to, God, I have lived a good life. I pray. I read my Bible. I've come to church. 
I've done these service projects. God, I want you to bless me. Give me financial peace. Give me security. Give me comfort. I did my part, God. It is time for you to do yours. Because aren't you the God of blessings? Aren't you the God who gives to those who need it? Don't you bless those who serve you, God? Friends, the faith that God calls us to has never been a comfortable one. We would do well to look at this story and realize that the God who, yes, is able to bless us beyond anything we could possibly imagine is more valuable than anything he could ever bless us with. To say it a different way, the greatest blessing God has ever given us has always been himself. Nothing God could give us could be of greater value than him. Jesus explained this in a later parable in which he says that following after him would be like a man who is digging in a field and finds a treasure of incalculable worth and in his joy runs home, sells everything, and purchases the field that the treasure was in. Jesus is saying that everything we own and everything we have, even the things God has blessed us with, pales in comparison to himself. Peter Simon, when he walked away that day from that giant catch of fish, he didn't miss a single dime. Instead, he found his greatest blessing. God sent his son to be Emmanuel, God with us. Simon Peter, James, and John recognized this that day they left. What some might believe to be their greatest financial blessing. But instead of being satisfied with God's blessings... The things of this world that he can, and literally on that day, put at their feet. They chose to be unsatisfied with anything less than God himself. They left everything, even the miraculous blessing, and they followed Jesus. You know, in reality, they didn't lose out on a big payday. They gained the greatest payday of their lives by leaving those fish on the shore to follow Christ. Jesus would later ask the questions of his followers in Mark 8, 36. What does it benefit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? Simon and his friends that day decided they would rather lose the fish and follow Christ. Their faith was not, and I read my Bible, and I pray, and I go to church, and now I expect God to bless me kind of faith. Their faith was one that was only satisfied in Jesus. So here's a question I want to leave you with today. If God today gave you everything you ever asked him for, would you be content? Would you find security in the things he gave you? Or would you realize the greatest thing he's ever given us is his son? Jesus came to die in your place on the cross so that you could experience a life of intimate relationship with him, the creator of the universe. How do you know that you value God more than his blessings? Look to your prayer life. 
Do you find yourself praying, God, give me this, give me that, bless me with this? Or do you find yourself instead saying, God, thank you for being my God and my Savior and providing for me? Look to how you spend your time thinking. Are you constantly worried and anxious over how you're going to stretch what you already have to to make ends meet? Or are you thankful that, yes, while times are tough, you have God with you? Look to how you treat God's forgiveness and his mercy. Do you come to God just for his forgiveness and then live however you want afterwards? Or do you come to God Because he is God, and he does forgive you, and you are genuinely content being in the presence of God, of the universe, because God loves you. He made you and I. Jesus calls us to follow after him. On the day of the giant catch of fish, Simon Peter was willing to leave the things of God to be with God. Would you make that same decision today? Would you choose to be content with nothing less than God Himself? Because our God, the one who sent His Son to die for us, who made us and loves us, our God is so much better than His blessings. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. God, we recognize today that you are far more valuable than the things you give us. God, we recognize today how much you love us. That you were willing to send your son to die for sinners so that we could be in a right relationship with you. Father God, I pray that if there is someone in this room who has never made the decision to follow after Jesus, would today recognize themselves as a sinner like Peter did. And that they would begin to follow after you. Declare you the Lord of their life. God, I pray that we would all Take the time to understand and to realize that you, our God, are far greater than your blessings. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.